Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle welcomes Spurs to St James Park on Sunday in a massive game for top four qualification. As usual, I'm joined by John Gibson to preview this huge, huge, massive game. John, I don't think I can describe it any other way. It is a bit of a big game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're all big games at this season, at this stage of the season, but this is a big, big game. Um, and even it's it would stand alone anyway because it's Newcastle and Spurs, fourth and fifth. But after after Aston Villa, etc., that just adds a little extra dimension to it. It's absolutely massive, but I've got to say right from the start that I am um, quite cool about the game. I uh, I've got a great belief that we will win this game. I had a great apprehension about Aston Villa. I don't think Spurs are in anywhere near the form Aston Villa were in. Uh, we are at home, and um, you know, of course, we've all had various versions of knee-jerk reaction because it was we're not used to seeing Newcastle comprehensively beaten. Yes, beaten on occasions, but not comprehensively so. And they were comprehensively beaten. But, you know, all great teams, all good teams and all average teams have a one-off. And, um, you know, we've got to believe this is a one-off. I know that we had a three-off not so long ago. If you remember, we lost three games on the trot, all 2-0, um, either side of the League Cup final. But uh, that was a bigger blip than this. Uh this is more comprehensive than any of those three defeats, I thought, Andrew. I thought um, Villa was more comprehensive. You know, I thought it's the biggest defeat of the season. And I thought, is it the worst? And going back, well, yes, I think it's a little bit worse than Liverpool 2-0 up here, which wasn't good. We had one moment in the cup final. In fact, until they scored, until they, they had header from Kazmierz, I thought we were as good as, as them. And... Uh, at Man City, we had moments. We didn't really have moments against Villa, but uh, I'm putting it down to one-off. Yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of people listening to this might say, well, how can you be so confident about Sunday after such a, a dismal display yes. against Villa? I'm sure they would. Um, apart from anything else, first of all, we're at home, one out of way, and we don't get beat at home. If we're not playing Liverpool, we don't get beat at home. I mean, all the great sides have come to St James's Park this season, or most of them. Man City, 
came and couldn't win. Man United came and couldn't win. Chelsea came and couldn't win. Fulham, when they were a good side, came and couldn't win. Um, so why should I suddenly think Spurs who have, uh, will be any different? We won at Tottenham, remember. So that's psychologically won a double. Um, and if we think, and by the way, I thought before the game, and we both said it on the podcast last week, Aston Villa were red hot. You can't tell me Spurs are red hot. I've got to look at the table to make certain a fifth. I mean, you know, the, the number of times they've, they've tripped over their own bootlaces, they're not worthy of being fifth. Um, so there's nothing to fear. And if we think 3-0 at Villa was a bad result, which it was, what about Tottenham 2, Bournemouth 3? That's a shocking result because... I mean, Aston Villa were red hot. Bournemouth are in a relegation fight. And and Spurs are at home. And they lose to Bournemouth. They haven't got a manager. They've got a they've got a um a caretaker. Uh when you look at the quality players they've got on the on uh, in the team, from Song to Kane, etc. etc. They've got to be flaky. They can't have the camaraderie, the team spirit that we've got. Otherwise, they wouldn't be where they are because they've got some quality players. But they're where they are because I think the spirit isn't that good. And so, putting all that together, I am confident about this weekend. Mm, Yeah. But I'm confident. When Newcastle have got that spirit and you imagine that the dressing room, the training ground this week has been... Nothing but hard work because of the terrible performance against Villa. They're not going to want to repeat that. They're going to want to erase that from their memory. And you know that as much as Eddie Howe says, we'll analyse it quickly and move on quickly. You know they're going to be put through their paces this week because it was such a bad performance. Looking at that performance against Villa, John, how do you bounce back? I know you'll probably say, well, you win against Spurs. But I'm talking about in terms of the level of performance, because it was well below part to what we've come yeah. to expect. Funny enough, we said last week, if you remember, Andrew, didn't we? You were saying, you know, what we need is to play like we did at Brentford and a little bit more against Villa. And I said, yeah, but if we play like we did in the first half at Brentford, we get tongued. And we played like we did in the first half at Brentford, but for 90 minutes this time. And, and sure enough, we did get tongued. It was so bad, and I've emphasised that I see it as a one-off, so I'm not going into the depths of depression. I don't expect it would be. But it was so bad, you can almost write it off, you know. You can almost put it in a box and put it over there and say, I tell you what, we haven't done that in 20-odd games in the league this season. We haven't done it in the League Cup all the way to Wembley, etc., etc. Why should it suddenly go into decline? Now, yes... You can worry that in the last two games, one and a half times, we've been awful. Half against Brentford and Aston Villa, so will it continue? In a funny old way, I think this is exactly the match we want because the, the lads will be very upset with themselves, etc., uh, etc. Et but this is the match we want. If we were at home to Crystal Palace or something like that, I might get worried because... In their mind, they might see it as just another home game and we're at home, we've just got to walk out there and we win, etc., etc. But this is 4th v 5th. This is for the Champions League. This is a big match and Spurs are vulnerable. Much more vulnerable than Villa. 
So, you know, I think it lends itself. I'm a little bit worried, Andrew, because, of course, we're worried because we are used with depression, not elation. And, but there's one or two individual performances, and I don't want to get over negative, but individual performances I've looked at and said, oh dear, I'm uneasy. You know, I'm uneasy. Is is this a game too far? Are we getting to where it's the end of an exhausting season mentally, physically? Mentally, because we're not used to this at the top. Physically, because we play such a high-press game. It is very, very difficult to keep that going game after game after game, League Cup, FA Cup, ordinary games, etc. when you're playing high-press. And um, therefore, you worry. And, you know... I'm a little bit worried about individuals in the back four. We have still, having shelved three goals, we're still the best defensive record in the Premier League. But some of that's yesterday, not today. And you, you look at that defence, which has been absolutely superb, and you look at them in the first half at Brentford, and you look at them at Aston Villa, and you say one or two individual performances aren't up to the current standard. And in a way, if you go against Villa, nobody was. Because Burns struggled, as as Dan has at left-back recently, for pace and, and, and because it's not his natural game. Botman has looked a work in progress. He's going to be absolutely brilliant, but he's not the finished article yet. That's why he hasn't got his touch, first touch cap yet. Shaw struggled. And Marino took Trippier, who is a super player, took him to the cleaners for, for an hour and a half at, at Villa. Pope is beaten three times, yet kept this in a game. Pope did well. Pope did well. So individual individuals in that back four produced a, a, a couple of performances that it wasn't up to their high level. Now, hey... We can forgive them that. That's going to happen over a long, long season. It happened all in one game to all of them. There wasn't the hero was the man behind them, and without him, by the way, it, it could have the three could have been six. And so, I was I'm a little a little concerned about that. But you've got to believe that that will have stung them big time and Eddie big time, and that this week will have been all about. Having said that, by the way, and having said how flaky Spurs are, you any given time that Song and Kane decide to turn up, you've got trouble, mind. And I've just talked about that back four individually. We need them individually and collectively go back to what they were when you've got Song and Kane on the other side of the fence. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the defensive display. And then the, the reaction, I think, to most, especially this had happened last season, the season of four and different managers, would have been to ring the changes. But we know Eddie Howe doesn't really like to do that. His remedy is more to work with the players that he's favoured over the over the last few months. And also, you know, you mentioned Kieran Trippier. And, you know, who, who are you going to replace him with? He's, he's oh. that good that a bad Kieran Trippier, oh. you haven't got someone to come in and replace him. Dan Byrne, you've got Matt Target. But then you look at the centre-back pairing, you're not taking Cher out for Lascelles, you're not taking Botman out, you're not going to move. I mean, I'm I'm not looking, I'm looking at the option, I'm not looking at, nor expecting, nor should it happen, that there should be wholesale changes. 
I tell you what, if there are wholesale changes, and there won't be, like if we get the team sheet now before kickoff and there's five changes, that'll worry me more than the match. Because I think, oh dear, oh dear, can these play together? I wouldn't dream of replacing Trippier, for example. He is a wonderful leader by example. I'm just saying that in that one game, he got taken, as anybody can at any stage, and he got taken. But it doesn't mean that you would even dream of taking him out. And certainly the manager won't. I mean, the only thing you can do, and you don't have to do anything, by the way. I mean, if he puts the same team out, I'm not going to argue. Um, although I would think there might be two changes, something of that nature. But, I mean, you could, theoretically, if you wanted to change anything at the back, you could play target and you could play burn for Bachman if you wanted to give uh, Bachman a rest. I'm not saying he will for one second, but uh, I, I bet there'd be a sigh of relief from Byrne if he was playing centre-half again, don't you think? Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think again, as it tends to be on, on this podcast every single week, the big possible change is probably Matt Target for Dan Byrne but then Matt Target didn't cover himself in a lot of glory when he came off the bench today I mean it was one of those days um can you nobody did apart from Pope Andrew did he nobody I thought I thought Isaac had had a decent game but still below the levels of of what yes but on the left back John we do seem to discuss it every week you know he was again he didn't have the best of games but as we said no one did against Villa but is it time for Matt Target to come in? I feel like we do ask this every week. We should well, have... Yes, because it is a talking point with the fans. And it's almost two separate um, arguments, Andrew. First of all, is it time for Byrne to get a rest from playing left-back, which is not his natural position, and he's not physically equipped for it? Why isn't he physically equipped for it? Because he's eight foot six, which means his legs are going all over the shop, and because he's one-paced. Physically, he's one-paced. Now, put that out at left-back, and, and that's tough, and he's done brilliant. So you could say the first question is, is it time for Matt Byrne to come out the firing line as a left-back? And I think the answer is yes. The problem is, you then say, is Target the answer to come in and be an improvement? And that is probably answered with a question mark. Um, but if if I'm Matt Target and I'm a left-back for which you paid £15 million or whatever you did and I couldn't get a game now, I would seriously be looking at myself, mine, and, mm-hmm. and saying, what have I got and what is my future? And that has to be considered. It may well be that you decide to stick with Bernard Eddie does, but that's got to be considered and can be considered. You can't consider dropping Trippier and you would be mad to do it because there isn't a left back. The, the guy we bought, the right back, the guy we bought, Ashby isn't ready yet. Uh, he just had a game for the under-20s in midweek. He isn't ready yet. You're not going to rush Lascelles into the side, um, et cetera, et cetera. So probably the only changes you could have is looking at left back and and do you put Byrne in his position to give a rest elsewhere or do you just take him out the fire line or do you leave it and say that back four has done well all season? The trouble is in the last two games or one and a half games, they haven't done well. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? 
Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hmm. I, I mean, if it was me, I think I would bring my target in for Dan Byrne and pop Dan Byrne on, onto the bench. I don't think he'll make any changes across the back four. I just can't see it happening. I think the only change he will make will be Sean Longstaff coming in. And then it's a question of, of for who, you know, is it Joe Linton and Joe Linton drops to the bench? Does Is it for Joe Willick, maybe? Um, is it for Anthony Gordon? And then Joe Linton moves out to the left and you have Joe Willick, Bruno and Sean Longstaff across the middle. I mean, there are options there, but I think... There's, Long- one, op- there's one option, isn't there? If you want to change midfield, it's only Longstaff. Uh, yeah. you, you can faff about with Joe Linton, left wing or still in midfield or whatever, but there's only one guy going to come in. Oh, it's guaranteed. Can. I think it's pretty... I bet you bottom dollar that he starts on Sunday. It's just you know why? Often with players that go under the radar, Andrew, and, and Longstaff is very much one of them, you know, he's not a Bruno-type midfielder. He's not a Joe Linton-type midfielder, a man-mountain that, you know, kills. Um you know what? They, often there was a say, there is a saying in football: you, you play your best game when you're not playing, you know, because you missed, you know. And when he's there, you can just say, "Oh, he's there." But that engine—I'm not saying it's a Rolls Royce; it's it's a never-ending engine. It just doesn't conk out. He's a Duracell bunny, isn't he? He's Newcastle United's Duracell bunny. He, he, he can run everywhere, uh, and that was certainly missed at, at, at Aston Villa. And I've got suspicion he will come in. It's just then, who goes out? Um, and if you took it on form at Aston Villa, and by the way, if you did that, everybody would go out. But the the, the most vulnerable one would probably be Joe Willock, I would have thought. But, um, you know, you can move Joe Linton out of there and put him on the left wing, if you wanted. Certainly, I thought Anthony Gordon did himself no particular favours at Aston Villa. Um I only mention him because he needed to, didn't he? We'd had the frack horse about being upset when he'd come off and subbed the previous game. He'd done well for the second half. Eddie showed great faith in him, started him. He's needed to to establish himself on the team. He didn't do it. It was perhaps a difficult game, but he didn't do it. Um, the only other change in the team, not the midfield, is whether you start with Almirin or bring him back off the bench again. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I can see Julian going out on top left, so Gordon drops out, and then it is the question of, of Miggy or Murphy. But again, if you, like if you're looking at players, if you're listening to players who you know from worst to who did all right against Villa, and granted, not many did. You know, Murphy was probably closer to those that did all right than did think, badly, yes. without setting the world alight. And I think that that's the fact, yeah, couple that with the fact that Eddie Howe doesn't like to make too many changes. Is he going to take Murphy out for Miggy? But then Miggy comes off the bench with Wilson and Newcastle look a lot more threatening. Yeah, I don't know. I, what, the only thing stopping us from saying Miggy starts is the fact that Eddie Howe doesn't like to make changes. And I just wonder whether he tries to stick to the start 11 that he had against Villa, Sean Longstaff aside, you know, sticks to it as close as possible and just drills it in with hard work, you know, analysis and words. You know, that wasn't good enough. You're going to start on Sunday and you're going to, you know, you're going to 
rid everyone of that memory of Villa Park by winning today and putting in a good performance. Yeah, I mean, we we all know that he, he... We know two things. We know, first of all, he doesn't like making changes. He never does. Whether you put that down as loyalty or in absolute belief and trust in the players he starts it. But equally, while we know he doesn't like making most... He doesn't like making a lot of changes. If he does make a change, we won't guess it, you know, because he'll make one from left midfield. I mean, you know, how often is that so? We we, we might talk about whether it's going to be a Target or it's going to be Burn and whether it's going to be uh, Longstaff and somebody else. And all of a sudden, somebody else like Anderson comes out on the left wing or something on the day and uh, he, he often makes something that's a minor surprise. I mean, I often think there is a, a minor surprise on... Eddie's team sheet, whether it's the bench or, or the team itself, quite regularly. But um, the one thing that's certain is that there won't be a lot of changes, and neither should there be. It is a one-off. The only thing that disturbs me about saying it's a one-off is that it's a one-and-a-half-off, because we weren't good at Brentford as well. And mm -hmm. as we said last week, or as I mentioned, you know, if we play like we did at Brentford, we get cushed and we did. Well, I'm saying that if we play like we normally play, we beat Spurs. But if we play like we played at Villa, we don't. Yeah, yeah. Let's just quickly run through that team then. So, Pope and goal, Trippier right back, Cher Burn, Dan Burn at left back, or my target? I think he'll play Burn, but I would play target. Um, in midfield, then Longstaff, I think, asserts to be back. Bruno is a assert to play, of course. And then. I've, I think Willick will play and then Joe Linton on the left. With Murphy on the right and Isaac. Oh, well, I've, I've just done the team there. I've written I've written Miggy down on the right, but I don't know. Yeah, Might, write in, might go back and write it in pencil. So if, I I was talk, if I was talking to Andrew Musgrove, if the Miggy uh, Society... If the Miggy Appreciation Society, I would expect him to be first on the team sheet. Yeah, it's a matter of whether after a little while out, he introduces him in exactly the same way, which is off the bench to have an impact. Funny enough, after the way we've talked recently, not just us, but fans and um, other podcasts, etc., and newspapers, etc., etc., we haven't ventured, because we know it won't happen, uh, of playing Wilson and Isaac together. Yeah, it won't happen. I mean, who starts up front? For me, it's got to be Isaac. I don't know about you, John, who, who starts up front on Sunday. Oh, Isaac can start up front. There's absolutely no question about that. But a lot of fans would like Wilson to start and Isaac play often, or, or have done in previous weeks before we discuss. But we know that will definitely not happen after what after what happened at Aston Villa, because he'll not want a knee-jerk reaction. He will stick with the format he plays, which is three up front, one target man through the middle and two wide. He'll stick with that for absolute certainty. Yeah. And, you know, we've mentioned there that the kind of the mess that Spurs are in. But as you also mentioned, John, they've got some really good players that it doesn't oh. matter how bad they're playing as a team. You hand Harry Kane an effort, he's more than likely going to pop it in the back of the net and he does fill me, fill me with fear because he is, you know, the second best striker in the Premier League behind Haaland. He's going to go for Shiro's record. Newcastle United cannot allow him 
as much room and space and time as they allowed Ollie Watkins. I know they're kind of different players, but Ollie Watkins, superb. If Harry Kane is afforded that amount of freedom, it could be a bad day on Sunday. Ollie Watkins is... He must think he can walk on water. He's in such a wonderful, rich vein of form. And he runs behind. He's on your shoulder. He's pulling you about the whole game. We have got three successive games with three successive big, big name England international centre forwards. We've gone from Ivan Tony to Ollie Watkins to Harry Kane. Um, but this is the Premier League. You expect that. You're going to have that. You can't be terrified every game. You've got to take care of that. Um, you know, and if we've got a Swiss international centre-half and Botman, who's going to be the future of the Dutch national side, perhaps, then we've got to take care of people like Kane. Um, it surprised me the way Song is this season. And I think he, he has epitomised what is wrong at Spurs behind the scenes where things simply are not right because he seems to have had a he's, he's such a smiler he's such an elegant player he's such a killer finisher song you know I think he doesn't get any of the uh, accolades that Kane's got because Kane's Harry and he's got the record and he's got everything but song but song hasn't looked that type of play we've seen the occasional flash of the wonderful song this season but dear oh dear what a player he is when he goes mentally everything's not right there at all but the danger is with teams like this if they feel up for it on the day if they get a break early on and, and get a goal up etc it can change the whole thing. So they are dangerous. But, you know, they're down to Bournemouth. And they lose after after being one nil ahead. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Isn't it nice to be discussing someone else's chaos in the boardroom rather than Newcastle United? Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, we've had that for so long that it's just become ingrained in us that this is part of our DNA. Well, it isn't anymore, and that is terrific. And it's not just in the, in the boardroom at uh, at Spurs, although Daniel Levy is a target for the um, for the fans, of course. But everywhere in the club, they haven't got a manager. I mean, who's going to be there next season? You know, if you're Spurs right now, you're coming up here, and you're wondering whether you're going to be in the Champions League next season. Well, I'm wondering who's going to be there next season. Will Harry Kane be there next season? Or will he wake up at the end of the season and say, hey, if I'm going to win anything, I've got to get out of here. And he's gone. Who will be manager next season? It won't be Cellini. And Conte's gone, so there's going to be a new manager. A new a new centre-forward, maybe. Um, is Luis going to continue in goal? The, the form he's been shown in the age he is, etc., etc. So there's a lot of uncertainty around the Spurs camp at the moment. Well, I mean, there's a lot of talk about managers kind of saying, well, I don't want to take over until I know you're in the Champions League. And I assume that'll be the same with potential rivals, players who are thinking about their future as well. It just goes to show you just how important this game is for Spurs' as future. And we know it's a big game for Newcastle, but in terms of you know Spurs next season, it's, it's a massive game. And it shows you as well the weight of the Champions League. You know, it, 
it is the difference from signing a level two player to signing the player on the top level, isn't it? It is a huge, huge um, thing to qualify for the Champions League. And more than that, John, as well, from Newcastle point of view, you know, we know that Spurs, even if Newcastle beat them to the top four, they'll be back next season battling. We know Liverpool will. We know Chelsea will, you know, and we expect the likes of Villa uh, to stick around as well. So Newcastle haven't got a better opportunity or might not have a better opportunity to, to get into the Champions League than they do this season. And it's so crucial they do because next season it's going to be six, seven teams oh. potentially. And, and and as we've said often on here, um, they'll never have a better opportunity in this season because they're not playing the volume of matches they'll play next season because they haven't got European competition. They went out the FA Cup the first hurdle. We've only had the Premier League and the League Cup all season. We're not going to get as light a fixture list. We don't want as light a fixture list as that next season because it means we're not in Europe. So it's not going to happen. How important is the Champions League? Well, we know because we know Amanda is sitting there with the rest of her board at the moment and they've got three transfer target lists. They've got the, the transfer targets when we if we qualify for the Champions League, the, the, the list of players if we go to the Europa League or the conference and a list of players if we don't make either of those two. So there's three lots of if challenges. It is absolutely huge. If you had a club like, and we are one for all and all for one, but if you had a club like Spurs um, and yet there's some disarray and you don't know what's happening next season, if you have a certain level where Spurs is as good a club as you're going to get, then you're going to be desperate to make it, etc, etc. But if they don't go in the Champions League or they don't do it, Kane's got the opportunity to go. Song's got the opportunity to go. Um, etc. Some players, Ward Prowse, if Southampton go down, he goes. I, I, I don't, his, Rice, Rice, whether West Ham went down or not, no, they're not going to, I think, but whether West Ham went down or not, he goes at the end of the season. So they, you know, it, it's desperate for Newcastle players because they, they're all for one, one for all. In, Champions League football, a lot of these boys have never had Champions League football. So, it's fabulous. For some other players at other clubs, if that club fails, they just bail out at mm. the end of And I guess as well, you know, we know financially, it's a huge, huge pot of money, isn't it? And you kind of get the feeling, looking from the outside in, that Spurs have become reliant on, on the top four. And it, it, I think, actually, that worries me slightly from Newcastle point of view, because you don't want to become reliant on someone because you could miss out and goodness knows what the kind of the repercussions maybe of not qualifying for the Champions League might be for Spurs. Um, you know, it's going to hit them hard if they don't. And there's that kind of expectation and need to qualify for the Champions League. So it's it's going to hit and has hit Liverpool and Chelsea on. Yeah. Because they're, well, not, the Bellingham they're not going to make it. Yes, you can't get certain players that won't come. And there's no guarantee. Why do you think the European Super League was mooted by the top six? Because it was going to be ring-fenced, wasn't it? You weren't going to get relegated out of there. So they want rid of that fear. Who would have said last season, when, when Liverpool were going for four titles, that this season they wouldn't even make Europe? I mean, it, it, it's quite incredible. Who would have said that Chelsea would have come in, somebody would own Chelsea with as much money as Abramovich has got and make such a dog's dinner that they didn't? 
compete. I mean, it, it, it nobody is guaranteed. You know, you would think the nearest to a guarantee is Man City. But I tell you what, standard slip, twist, and, and suddenly, you know, Klopp could walk on water a year ago. Now there's people look at him saying, is he yesterday's news at, at Liverpool because he's been there seven years and the seventh year at Borussia Dortmund saw everything go fall to bits. Um, the minute you begin to think you've got it made in football, you haven't. But that is, isn't that the wonderful thing about it, Andrew? That we don't know what, we don't know if you're going to be relegated or be midfield. We didn't know last season when we were fought a fight against relegation for half a season, we'd be having a fight to get in the Champions League this season. That's the wonderful thing. You can't block that. That is why if you take away promotion and relegation or you take away out of Europe and have a Super League, that's why you don't you don't want that. The whole comfort, the whole wonderful thing about football is that you can dream. Yeah. You're allowed to dream. Wrexham, with the Hollywood owners, are dreaming about being in the Premier League in ten years' time, and then they're not out the non-league yet. Now they may well not make it, but isn't it wonderful to dream? That's what keeps everybody alive. Yeah, certainly. So, how important, John? Is it to be back at St James's Park on Sunday after three away games on the bounds? It should be a great atmosphere. Sunday dinner time kick off. How important is it? Oh, it's huge. And if you're going to come back from a, a comprehensive defeat, you want to come back at St James's Park. I mean, we can't complain about the results-wise about the three away games on the bounds because we've got six points out of nine. And and you know we might have got. If we got a win and two draws and remained unbeaten in the three away games, you'd say, bye, you did, you did well there, but you'd have five points. We've got six. So, you know, uh, we've come out of that OK. But you then want to come home. And I don't want to come home, you know, to a, to a side that, uh, you know, be it West Ham or Crystal Palace or Leicester or somebody at home who's fighting for their lives that might get into us... Uh, frustrate us, make us worry, an hour's gone and it's not, not, uh, etc, etc. I want a big game with a big game atmosphere, but a big game against a, a team which I feel has got an underbelly that, you know, can be tickled. Um, I think it's a, a good match for us. I emphasise it's anything but nailed on. Mm. But it's, it's the right match to follow Villa. And now it's all down to us because war flags and the atmosphere in the place and the Newcastle fans will have the place jumping. It's how we respond to that, how much is in the tank, um, how much we can go yet again, because this is a, a, a grand national course, the, the Premier League, and especially if you're going for something, either against relegation or for the Champions League, it is mentally a huge task every week. And I'll feel content with 20 minutes gone if I see the back four playing like the back fours played all season instead of at Villa, and I see the midfield buzzing, and I know Isaac's up there with a, with a couple of wide guys, and you think, yes, yeah, this'll do for us. Um, but there's no question, this is the match. Because if we if we lost this, and I haven't contemplated that because I think it's a draw, we win. And, and I believe we'll win. But if we lost it, they would be level on points with us, 
we've got a better goal difference. But you see, that it's not just that. It's you opening the door to the Gallopers on the outside, whether they are Brighton, whether they're even Aston Villa, whoever they are, you're opening the door to them. If we lost, we would be in serious trouble to make the Champions League. If we win, we're six points ahead of Spurs with a game in hand. That's how vital this game is. The two extremes that there can be results-wise, that's how vital this game is. Um, and isn't it wonderful that it is at this stage of the season? I mean, as you say, I can't tell you the order at the bottom of the Premier League. For the first time in 15 years, I don't know the exact order because I haven't been concentrating on that. I've been concentrating on the top. Wonderful, wonderful. Big, big match. But we want big matches. There's going to be some big matches next season if we'll make the Champions League by Jove the good days. Um, but we want to be part of that. Yeah, 100%. So I think we already know your results prediction. So before I ask you that, John, just want to talk briefly about some of the uh, the transfer news this week. Declan Rice was was probably the, the big name linked. He's going to cost you know, 100 million or so. Uh, Eddie Howe didn't shoot down the rumour. He's kind of said, well, that's the elite player we'd need to be aiming for if we... Uh, you know, improving the squad. Is he a man you'd like to see in that midfield? If we are if we are signing a defensive midfield player, I can't think of anyone that's better than Declan Rice to bring in. Will we bring in Declan Rice? No. Um, because I think it's a step too far at this stage, uh, financially, etc., and I think that if he gets the opportunity to stay in London, being a London boy, and that opportunity would obviously best be Arsenal, then I think he would sign and stay in London. Um, so, yes, on, a, on ability, um, as a defensive midfield player, would you have him ahead of McTominay? And I think 99% of Newcastle fans would have him ahead of McTominay. So the answer would be yes. Um, but they, I mean, even Eddie doesn't know who's getting it. He's got a list of three. Yeah. He's got the list for the Champions League, the list for the Europa League, and the list for um, no Europe at all. Um, so we've just got to wait and see. But he, he would be an excellent, excellent signing. But so would Bellingham be for Liverpool. But they, that's a step too far for them. Yeah, certainly going to be an interesting summer to come. Come on then, John, how's this one going to end on Sunday? It's going to end with Newcastle win. Um, I just have a feeling for that. Uh, you could easily have a feeling either way and go, oh dear me, after Villa and after the first half at Brentford, I think it's it's all going pear-shaped for us, etc. No, I think this is an ideal match for us coming back. It's a huge game against huge opposition with huge players up front. So that concentrates minds, that makes it exciting, that gives a stimulant to the game, into the atmosphere on Sunday, etc., etc. But we are at home and we don't lose at home. We don't want to draw, by the way. We've got to win. We've got to win. But we are at home. And for goodness sake, this side has done us proud all season. Are we suddenly going to desert them now because they lost three in Ella Dassen Villa? I certainly hope not, because they don't deserve that. But 
if Geordies are 200% behind them on Sunday, they must help themselves individually as well and collectively. You know, we're all in this together. That's one of the famous Eddie Howe things. We're all in this together. Well, I think Geordies will play their part. I'm sure the coaching staff will play their part. And I'm certain a lot of individual players will take it back. But collectively, they've got to go out and do it. I've got no reason to think they, they won't. If it comes down to desire, if it comes down to sheer guts and courage, if it comes down to running through brick walls, then we have more chance than them because I think they're flaky. Um, and all season, they, they'll produce the odd spectacular result. And so they will With when you look at who's on the team sheet. But then they'll get beat at home by Bournemouth. And the same names are on the team sheet. The same big names are on the team sheet. They're not all out injured. They're there. But it doesn't happen. Uh, they haven't got the camaraderie and the team spirit that we've got. If there is a problem, it's can we high press? And by the way, we are where we are because we're high press. It's the style of play that totally suits us. You've got to be super fit to, to be able to do it. You've got to mentally be tuned on. One guy high pressing is no good. They've all got to go, as it doesn't work. Um, so can we do that all season? Leeds were great at doing that under Bielsa. And initially, they come up out the championship, and in the first season, they flew, didn't they? Then they found it all physically a bit too hard. Um, and it is a hard thing to do. And by the way, the reason Liverpool are where they are this season and what they did last season, they were a high-pressing team last season, either because there's ageing legs or for whatever reason, they're not the same high-pressing team this season. And, and their results have dropped off as a result of that. But yes, simple question, what will be the result on Sunday? Simple answer, Newcastle will win. Yeah, I'm going to go for Newcastle to win as well. I think we saw down at Spurs, how you can beat them, like you say, just press them. The keeper's got a mistake and the defence look vulnerable. You know, we, as you say, it's not nailed on. We can't get complacent. We need a reaction from that Villa defeat. I think we'll get it. I think with the crowd as well behind the the, 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 um, the players and what's at stake as well. I think Newcastle will get the win. I think it'll be a close one, but I am going to back them to get all three points. So fingers crossed, John. We're both correct with our result prediction. Thank you, as always, John, for popping on to the pod. To you guys listening, hit that follow button on your podcast provider and leave us a rating and review as well. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can catch Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning and live coverage of Newcastle versus Spurs through our live blog on Sunday. It's been a pleasure, as always. Thank you very much for tuning in.